what was your favorite bedtime story as a kid? My booba, my dad, loves raiding. And when I was little, he would raid to my Dagan and I every night. Looking back, it's probably why I love raiding so much. There's something beautiful about listening to a story as you drift off to sleep. Kadich woman Rona Glenn MacDonald understands this well, and she's been working with communities to produce a series of bedtime stories. This is a little taste of one from East Arundel. The story is about a little boy called Jangadangada. It's a teaching story for little ones. It started off from a, a place called Lyatanga, my homeland. The story belonged to Eastern Arunda. There is no other stories like that anywhere else. It's just one of several bedtime stories produced in 2019 and 2020. Next month, a new series of stories will be released, this time featuring the dreaming, knowledge and language of the Wiradjuri nation. Rona spoke to a Ways to Rome commissari about the importance of the project. So as a project at the heart is creating space for different communities each year to record cultural stories and dreaming stories that they're deeply connected to and amplify those stories across the continent in schools and homes where all young people can really centre the knowledges and experiences that those communities have shared in those stories. And we've been doing it since 2019. We did our first series in the Central Desert and each year we work with a different First Nations producer and director where they sit with their elders and their communities and figure out what dreaming stories they want to record for future generations. And this vision that we hold is that over the next few decades, we'll have worked with communities all across the continent and those stories will be recorded for thousands of generations into the future. But also any young person or family living across this continent can continue to access those stories and feel deeply connected and centre the ways that First Nations communities continue to learn from our dreaming stories and the knowledge that is passed down from our elders. Where do they go? Where do they end up? So they end up in primary schools and early learning centres in the week when we launched them. And last year, which was 2021, we had about 100,000 students take part in the project, which is so exciting just thinking about (laughs) every different school context. There's that opportunity to centre First Nations knowledges and we have schools that are all mob. We have schools that have First Nations students and non-Indigenous students or refugees and migrants and all of those different spaces, the stories form the foundation for teachers and young people to be having these conversations about the knowledges found within the stories but also how those stories can teach us all lessons in life and connect us back to country and connect us to the space and the context that we live within. These are beautiful visually. I've seen the the earlier ones. But you said that they end up in schools. Did you work to make them fit in curriculum? Have you seen a good response from the schools that they've gone out to from, say, the teachers and the, the staff at the schools? Yeah, I think that all across this country, teachers 
want to be bringing more first knowledges into the classroom and more stories like these, but there aren't many resources that exist. So when we create the stories um, and we're working with local community and local mob, we don't censor the stories. We want them to really take this opportunity to create stories in this medium that really represent their perspectives and the way that they want to share their voices. But we work with First Nations teachers and a teacher focus group to develop resources that help teachers take these stories into classrooms in really safe and meaningful ways and ensure that, you know, you're not just watching a film, you're really expanding upon the learning in the film and creating that space for students to continue to explore what they've learnt. I think that I notice a lot in the film industry that people get pulled away from country or they end up in commercial projects or different kinds of storytelling projects to pay the bills. But this beautiful process of having a year to talk to their elders and create space for their elders to tell these stories and knowledge custodians to tell these stories is something that's really special. Well, let's talk about that then. So this year, Wiradjuri is the group that you focused on and Jack Steele directed the the series. Can you tell me a bit about the selection process? Often the selection process uh, is really based on relationships and that's how we work at Common Ground. It's about building relationships that are centred upon trust and cultural values and I've known Jack for a number of years and I think we started yarning about this over two years ago. Um, he knows about the project because a good friend of his, Malika Predishat, who is up on Nigina country, or she's living in Rubibi Broom at the moment, but she did the series before in 2021 and just started yarning to Jack. I was like, hey, bros, you know, do you want to do one of these series? And uh, he got really excited and I know that this process for him has been beautiful and challenging at the same time, bringing together all the mob um, on Wiradjuri country um, where he's from in Orange and creating that space has been something that um, I've, I've really loved watching this project unfold for him. But it's less of a selection process and more about building that trust over the long term and figuring out how, how we can continue to keep this project going in the communities where these stories have been recorded, whether that's through events or getting Jack out to some of the schools on Radri country and having opportunities for the elders and knowledge custodians in the stories to be able to sit down and continue to teach their young people and use these as, as a tool for that. My name is Jack Steele. I'm a director and producer. I'm a Radri man from Orange. Every year, Common Ground works with a different First Nations creative and a different community to create five bedtime stories. This year, you filmed the stories. What was that process like? Eye-opening. <laughs> um, it was it's it, like it was filled with a lot of complications, but it's probably one of the um, most enjoyable projects I've had over the last couple of years. Mm. Um, mostly because it meant that I got to go home back to my community yeah. and hang out with like my mob, hang out with my uncles and stuff again, which I haven't been able to do for you know ages. You know, COVID and then work, all that sort of stuff. So it was kind of nice. Um, I mean, they I think they saw me coming though because uh, every time I'd go out there to go and get all the the stories and stuff together, um, they'd always be like, oh, you got to come and see this person, you got to come yarn to this yep. person. And so the, the the consultation process took probably five times as long 
Um, but it was good. It was really like, it was actually really heartwarming. I mean, it, it was stressful at times, but um, you kind of get that when you're working with community and stuff, but it was still great. Completely. Well, you've kind of alluded to it there, but your Wiradjuri, yeah. you worked with your mob. So the stories were Wiradjuri stories. Where'd you go? Um, well, this was a, this was something that I wanted to go all over Wiradjuri country. I wanted to oh, get- It's a big country, mate. It's massive. <laughs> and like, obviously the, the big hardest thing was, is that, um, so at first, the very first consultation was I was calling up communities, you know, from Tumut, Wagga, you know, Dubbo, Peak Hill, Orange, Bathurst, like all over. And I thought, okay, I'll do this big road trip. Yeah. And then once I sat down and did the budget, I was like, this is not achievable. Um, so I had to stick with the, what I knew and the community that I knew. And also, you know, knowing that I had the access to the people mm. that I, that I knew. Um, so we just sort of based it all around Orange area. So kind of like Orange and some of the smaller villages um, mm. around surrounding that. So yeah. mainly Central West. Central West, yeah. Did you? So that's your community. Did you learn much doing this? Did you find out some things you didn't know? Yeah, I mean, with these things, it's it's interesting because um, one of the things that I actually did learn was I was a little bit cocky going. I was like, yeah, I know all these mob. You know, <laughs> they'll be fine. They'll give me all the permissions, and they did. But then I realised that you know a little bit more about our community, about, um, you know, who was the best person to talk to and who mm. wasn't the best person to talk to, all those sort of little politics stuff. Um, so in terms of like cultural stuff, I knew the stories already, uh, but it was more the blackfella politics. Yes. <laughs> I started yes. to realise uh, it was a bit more eye-opening, which was still good. Like it was, it was a great experience. It was just one of those things where I was like, hmm, okay. I wasn't expecting that to be the lesson that I learned today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so you filmed five. Yeah. Do you care to give us a teaser of one of them? You know, what, what what kind of stories can people expect? So we when I sat down with a lot of the community um, to talk with them about what stories we wanted to use, um, there was a lot of stories that they wanted to tell, but they were probably a little bit more focused on an older audience. Mm. So, and they're really good stories and I really wanted to tell them, um, but we had to really nail down and, and focus on our audience, which are, you know, kind of school age kids and stuff. So a lot of the stories are stories that, probably have people are sort of aware of but um they're kind of going a little bit more deeper around creation the meaning of place and also um the notion and the and the law blackfella law l-o-r-e of yinyamara which is a radry word for respect um proper way proper way yeah and so like one of the one of the stories that i, I really wanted to do um uncle neil ingram uh, he's a condo man but lives in, in Orange. And I've grown up around him a lot. And he has this story of the three brothers, which is the story of, um, of Mount Canobolus, Mount Panorama and Mount Macquarie. Mm. Um, I, um, I directed and, and produced it and kind of uh, and then edited it. But I got a young uh, cinematographer to shoot that one. His name's Ryan Andrew Lee. Ah, uh, okay. He's incredible shooter. Um, I mean, I felt a little bit bad because I kind of, you know, hit him up. And was like, yeah, we'll go out and shoot this stuff. And he got really excited. And I don't think I fully um, explained how cold it was going to be. <laughs> um, like on, and we got out there because, and he's he's from Central Coast, so oh, yeah. he comes out and he's wearing all these like all these jackets and everything, and he's got these big cameras strapped to him and stuff. And I'm telling him to shoot in like I think we got one day it got to minus five. Mm. <laughs> so the the style that the the sort of the creative that I went to with Rona with this one was um, that because Wiradjuri country is not like going out to Alice Springs or in the top end, it's really hard to to film the countryside 
as it is because it's filled with farmland. You know, yep. I think you can't even trying to get the drone shots of Mount Panorama, you can't not see the racetrack or the big words Mount Panorama on there. So um, trying to film some of these dreaming stories without showing the effects of colonization to it were was a difficult one. So what we had to do is be smart and anything that we couldn't see on camera, we decided to use animation. Back home where I'm from is all paddocks. That's all it is. And yeah, that's interesting that you went to animation to kind of illustrate what what was there or what the stories say were there. Exactly. It was like even just things like trying to show the rivers, you know, like the the a lot of people don't realise but the Murrumbidgee River and Murrumbidgee River, the Kalari River, which is the Lachlan River and the Womble River, which is the Macquarie River, they all look completely different to what they would have done yeah. 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago because of the effects of, of farming. Mm. You know, the rivers have actually changed a bit. And so they don't look that great to look at when you put a drone up in the air. Mm. I mean, unless you travel, you know, three or four hours into the middle of nowhere and trek with an hour yeah. where you can kind of get these really beautiful untouched parts of the river. But we didn't have that luxury. So we had to kind of be creative in our shot angle, like in our angles that we shot. And then we had to um, use a, a bit of animation to kind of, you know, so when we've got the rainbow serpent sliding through the river systems and stuff like that, we've got, um, you know, platypus ducking up and down out of the water, <laughs> those sort of things. Oh, exciting. Good for yeah. kids too, eh? Yeah, it's good. And I think that's one of the things that um, that I think the creative lent to it was that we can have a little bit of fun with this because it is for kids. And so we want to make sure that it's not too, not too dark, not too factual in terms of you know just like dates this that we kind of want to make sure that they are entertained and interested because you know get i think you get a, a little bit more of a of a reaction when they're entertained you know whilst they're still learning oh for sure and i guess the the end goal of this is for people to be interested and educated so like you want them to be engaged and enjoying themselves <laughs> exactly and you know sometimes you kind of if you if you show stuff that's well, in my opinion, if you show stuff that's sort of been seen before, but it's just you know a whole heap of drone stuff, and then you've got someone talking, you, know, you lose it. You, you lose a young audience because they don't quite understand. They're like, "Wow, that's a beautiful shot." They're kind of like, "Oh, cool, a river." <laughs> yeah, drones are losing their um, losing their sheen, aren't they? You, you can't just put a drone shot in something and have it be groundbreaking anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. So hopefully, when they see you know like a big rainbow serpent sliding through yeah. the canyons and stuff, and it's all coloured and multicoloured and line drawings and stuff, it'll look a little bit more interesting. Awesome. So, yeah. Now, Jack. You said you're part of the community where you shot. Do you reckon there's a right and a wrong way to do this? 100%. Yeah. yeah. I think right way is the slow way. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot, a lot of people make mistake of, especially non-Indigenous people when they come into communities, is they, they have a schedule that they've got to stick, stand by and they want to get things done their way. But it just doesn't work like that with blackfellas. It's like you have to, you have to go and have the million cup of teas and then you've got to you know, sit with this person, you got to get permission from this person and then things take time. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily always gel with contemporary business ideals. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Common Ground have been so supportive and I think out of out of all of the, you know, sort of organisations and people I've ever worked with, Common Ground get it right because, you know, they're Indigenous-led, um, they know how these things are meant to work and it's definitely sparked and ignited a fire in me that makes me want to go back out there and, and expand on some of these stories. Because like I said earlier, there was there's a lot of stories that um, a lot of the elders know 
and anyone that's ever had a yarn with some of the old followers in their own community, they probably know this, that sometimes, you know, these old followers, they're not, like whilst they might be the knowledge holders, they might not be storytellers this, the way that we are. And so for them to trust me to be the conduit between them and the listeners and to interpret the stories that they've passed on to me in a fun and exciting way, that's a huge honour. And so that's something that I I try to tell my, like remind myself that it's something that's, it's very important and something that needs to be treated with a lot of respect. And that was Jack Steele in conversation with Away's Jerome Commissari. Jack is the director of this year's Bedtime Stories by Common Ground. You also heard from Rona Glynn MacDonald, the CEO of Common Ground. The new series of Bedtime Stories premieres on the 21st of November and runs for five days. If you're interested in the films, the educational resources, or both, you'll find a link to Bedtime Stories in Away's show notes. I'm Rudy Bremer, and you're listening to Away, Indigenous Art and Culture on RN. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.